0: Some of our members are small business owners, and they know the secret to success is usually just that, a secret. So we built American Express Open Forum, an online community that helps our members connect and share ideas to make smart business decisions. We built this for our members, but we made it open for everyone. Connect at openforum.com. This is what membership is. This is what membership does.
1: with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone
0: and iPad.
1: Oh, yeah. It's time for
0: another Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush.
1: So welcome, everybody, to another <laughs> episode of Innovation Crush, the series where we talk about uh, some of the most innovative marketing uh, products, people, and whatever else we, we co- that comes to mind um, in, the, in the marketplace. So uh, with us today is a gentleman by the name of Mark Brogdon um who wants to say hello to
2: mark? Hello, everybody i'm excited to be here thank you
1: chris yeah you sound so so professional um and to my right is robert he is our uh, our one-man band um Dum-dum. there he goes i knew it so um we're just gonna kick this right off because I've, I've known mark for a while um he's a great guy really smart really creative and um i want to kick this off with the first question which is, what is the Mark Brogdon personal brand?
2: Well, we are a experiential um, marketing firm. And my brand seeks to um, always go forward in everything we do. Um, we're very futuristic. We've been on the cutting edge of um, innovation for the last uh, 15 years. We did product integration when that wasn't really a buzzword. We we try to create buzzwords. We try to live in that that lane.
1: Um, so how did like how did you get started? Right, like you know I, I really admire your journey. Right, uh, you, you know you started off um, as far as I know, an experiential have recently made a shift into a, 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 some big technology plays. Um, but kind of just give us that history and and some of the brands you've worked with and what your approach to your work is.
2: Well I'm gonna start off by saying I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So. Woo yeah, Detroit, Michigan. I
1: made a really bad Detroit joke on the last show. Is and I actually felt bad after I said it and then I was like, I'm, that's my own home when we talk. Oh,
2: you're from Detroit. Okay, okay. Well
1: you knew this. Come I'm on. Home. Good radio, dude. Good radio. So, <laughs> <laughs>
2: so growing up in Detroit, and as we all know, Detroit has just filed for bankruptcy. And I think that— uh, Oh, wait.
1: We're not cheering for that. Sorry. Sorry.
2: I think that—well, uh, I will cheer for it because I think it's a chance to press restart. And I think that um, it shows the resilience of the city, and you'll see what we do with it. And I think that's the history of my career. Uh, with that background and upbringing, I think we are resilient people, and you know that growing up in Michigan. So we definitely, you know, we rub uh, rocks and become diamonds, and then stars. So you know how we do it. So I initially came from Detroit, Michigan, uh, with a degree from uh, Michigan State University. Spartans, uh, Spartans, we are Spartans, and I'll kick a competitor into the black hole if I need. to.
1: <laughs> Get or in the black hole, which yep. is a whole other that's whole my, other show. That's
2: my three hundred reference. <laughs> so I um. Went and studied international and global marketing at the University of Stockholm in Sweden. Uh, Studied company. What
1: was that like? So what what was that like just kind of making that transition from Detroit and then you know, so I don't know if it was suddenly, but did you go directly from Michigan State to Stockholm? And what was that like, even culturally? Because I'm I'm sure that has an effect on how you see the world now. You know, truly, especially truly. At, 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 as as you developed your career.
2: Yeah, growing up in a small city, um, we're in in Michigan. Um, it was an amazing transition. I mean. Uh, they speak English, fortunately. And most of the people speak English. They they uh, learn three languages. So, you know, that wasn't the challenge. Um, the what
1: are the other challenge? two? English, st- Stockholmish, and then what's the? Yeah, well, Swedish. Okay. <laughs> and, and then.
2: <laughs> whatever the third choice would be. Uh, oh, they for, get to choose. Yeah. A, okay. But the good thing is that, um, you know, that transition wasn't hard. It was probably the men- mental transition of I am so far away from home right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't just, uh, Mom, I'm homesick. I want to come home for, you know, do my laundry. Right. That was done. This was two days after I graduated from college. So,
1: oh, wow. You literally like took your your diploma and got I on
2: graduated the plane. on Saturday. Uh, Sunday morning, I took a, a flight to uh, New York and had a six hour layover. Uh, I fell asleep on the plane uh, from New York to Iceland and woke up in Stockholm 13, 14 hours later and didn't really know where my uh, hostel was. <laughs> so it was uh, one of those wake up right now and let's see how you're going to deal with this. And wow. um, so I, you know, we studied with a robotics, uh Treacher pack, Volvo, uh, Saab. Uh, Maribu Chocolates, and we learned uh, a lot about uh, international uh, marketing. We learned, even as far as uh, CAD CAM, we learned about um, uh, the unions, uh, working relationships between the manufacturers and, and their employees. We learned, So it was a good transition for me. But what it did better than anything, it opened up my whole mindset to I'm not a business guy. I'm not trained to be a business guy. I'm trained to be a global business guy.
1: Like Jay Z said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. That's man. A very good reference. Yes, thank yes. you. Perfect. Um, Perfect. I didn't even have it in my notes.
2: Exactly, and uh, <laughs> for good reason. But to, um, you know, I, I, from that point forward, my whole mindset was when I look at business, and this is where I look at business to this to this day, is you know, does it translate? In all languages, all cultures, and if it doesn't, what is the nucleus of it that can be translatable? So that's the way I look at business now.
1: Right. So give give us an example, uh, an early example, right in your career where you actually put that, you know, that philosophy to to work.
2: Well, my first uh, major job, uh, I worked at Pepsi Cola and. and a and uh, Pitney Bowes. So I consider my start of my career really was Carlson Resource Group and that uh, I was the national spokesperson and product specialist for Saturn. So I was actually brought to California.
1: Not to the help. planet, the, the car manufacturer. Hey, however
2: you want to roll, baby. <laughs> roll.
1: <laughs> just one, just clarifying for for Robert. Yeah, no,
2: it was the automotive, automotive company, Saturn. And so uh, it was a very first automotive uh, manufacturer, all-American uh, manufacturer in 65 years. So it was uh, a healthy um, weight on your shoulders to to be responsible for product marketing for this brand new car company. And so I think what I looked at is, although we're translating this as and promoting this as an all-American car company, the only thing that wasn't American was a steel timing chain uh, and uh, I think the the, uh, the glass. And so I had to look at beyond the borders, you know, how do we communicate that we would also sell this car as foreign car manufacturers have, you know, penetrated the American marketplace. How can we do the same thing with our car when we're not a muscle car? Cause muscle cars do well internationally, right? but how is this car going to translate? So I wanted to, to get out our core values. And I looked at that DNA and, and I was able to successfully, um, get the mindset at least uh, domestically and then look at the, beyond the board and to how we can sell this
1: thing. Uh, so, in- so that, I mean, it kind of transitions in, in, into another point that's not on my notes, but, um, you know, I look at you as a super creative guy, right? And especially when it comes to ideas. And I think you just touched on something where, you know, I want to ask you, where do good ideas come from, right? Because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, come up with something Blue Sky... And then it doesn't match brand principles. It doesn't match audience expectation. There's a lot that goes into making a good idea real. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your approach to that? You started to touch on it with, like, yes, you look at the brand principles. What's the nucleus? Can you just expand on that a little bit?
2: I think it was fortunate, and we were talking about my background. I have now a background. um, I went to work for Disney Channel, Disney ABC ABC
1: Networks, for uh, 10 years. Why do all those kids go crazy? Uh, Over the brand? No, I mean the Disney Disney stars. Yes, the Disney stars. Oh, well, I mean, are you are you allowed to? (laughs) Are you not allowed to even answer that question? I don't want to. I
2: don't know if I know the answer, but I know that (laughs) I can only imagine what that answer would be. So again, this is not based on anything other than my opinion.
1: Right. Uh, Message. (laughs) That is his disclaimer. (laughs) That's my disclaimer. But uh, you know, you think about
2: it. If you are in a box as a kid, you're not able to explore who you are because the eyes of the world are saying, you have to be wholesome. You are a brand. You're being, you're protecting our brand. At some point you're going to implode. And now you want to rebel and say, I am not this wholesome, you know, kid that the world has perceived me and I want to do more. And I want it's to, a
1: lot of pressure. It's I mean, a lot of pressure. Yeah.
2: And, you know, if you don't have a circuit breaker, I mean, you know, hopefully you had have, have a good upbringing. But if uh, your parents are now caught into the system just like you are, then they're not, they're no help. Right. So I mean, at some point that pressure geek, uh, cooker may blow, and uh, you hope that it's something that's salvageable. But if not, you see the results of it.
1: And that's, that's kid. That's kid. Ta- you should be the you should be the on staff psychiatrist for for some of these kids. That was actually that was really good. Just an observation. <laughs> message, <laughs> message. Uh, no, so sorry to derail that, but no, you. So you started off, uh, you know, working with the Disney Channel. Again. Yeah, so
2: I launched uh, three networks. Uh, were not totally responsible, but uh, worked with the distribution, creating distribution strategies for Tune Disney, the repositioning of Disney Channel, and then uh, SoapNet, and left there and went into um, e-commerce with Kill O'Neal and ran uh, Dunk Net, which was his e-commerce company. Um, left there and started my own firm. Into you, the letter N, the numeral two,
1: the letter U, creative marketing growth. Is that did you want to say dot com? Go, cool. you go. You just did. <laughs> um, but
2: uh, and I, I say all that to say, given my background and answer your question and bullet, bring that book back full circle. Um, Twenty plus years of experience in a diverse. Um, In diverse industries has led me to understand how to create 360 degree touch points. So when I look at a, a, a nucleus of an opportunity, I draw upon all my experiences to make sure that I'm touching everything and all consumers in every direction uh... that could be from an exper- experiential standpoint that i may have done with uh... disney or that may be from an advertising um, messaging that i did with uh... message, carol h. <laughs> message that <I> did with <laughs> carol h williams or some of the other agencies so it's important that you know when you look at a project you don't just look at it in such a small myopic view you have to really understand that uh, you're touching people in a variety of of ways Uh, as you know, I still consult with Walt Disney Imagineering now and I consult with them on multi-generational marketing, multicultural marketing and global trend marketing. And so multi-generational is really, you know, you're talking about Gen Ys, Gen Xs, baby boomers. And so you have to it's the family,
1: it's a, you know, it's a family brand, right? So you, and I think we had touched on this in another conversation was that, yes, you have to appeal to grandpa, as much as you appeal to robert as much as you appeal to the 6 year old that's you know that robert's going to take to the park um, but no just like how do you know how does that that's a big job right that's like a big job to what is you know to find the common thread with all those generations for a, you know a giant company like a disney it's all,
2: it's it's next to impossible and, but you have to do the best you can as a company because you have to understand the economics of global financial um, At one point, it's going to change from another period. So if you're a marketing person who's been at the company 15 years and you were successful in this era, then all of a sudden a new administration comes in and we go through a recession depression. And now we have a baby boomer living with a Gen X, Gen Y, or, you know, the boomerang generation, which they come live with their great grandparents and their grandparents, and you have four generations in a household because of economics. That may not have been the case Five years ago, right. so when you have those many, uh, so it's constantly
1: shifting dynamics within the family ecosystem, and
2: you have to be conscious of it because there are some commonalities, but there's some differences. Uh, there are some trust issues. So there is the general uh, the nine eleven generation who are security security oriented. So when they go to the park, they're always looking for the exit. You know, I want to make sure that I know how to get out of here if anything go, goes down.
1: It's also like my background in Detroit. I'm always looking for like if anything's going down, I need to figure out how to get out of here.
2: Hey, I looked when I came in here, i <laughs> now. still looking at it. <laughs> still, I have my back to the door. Like, Robert, right. Robert Robert, must be from uh, the safety generation. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, where,
0: where do you go? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, you know, we, we're conscious uh, of all of the changing shifts in economics and, and trends, which is very important because, you know, when they say 40 is a new 30, well, I think, 40 and 50 of the new 20 and 25, you right. know, with plastic right. surgery and, and, and... science, really.
1: like Science and, medicine, and technology. Yeah.
2: Te- technology has really um, really found a way to do what I call age compression. So older people want to be younger and younger people want to be older. a great older. You, th- you so. think
0: uh, Instagram filters help a lot with that?
2: I think Instagram <laughs> filters. I think all filters <laughs> help with that. You see my, my face shot at Mark... Brogdon <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, I think you'll see that I'm. With a C, tra- not a K, by M-A-R-C- the way. M-A-R-C-B-R-O-G-D-O-N <laughs> N-T-U Creative Marketing <laughs> Group. I think you'll see that uh, I've, with good use of my filters, I'm a handsome guy.
1: You're still handsome, no, You're yeah. still handsome. Yeah, Where yeah, did Cricket's
2: come from? I, yeah. I,
1: <laughs> I was like, well, no, but yeah, no, you're a good looking fellow. You know, if I might say so myself from a masculine, you know, standpoint. Is that your foot on the table? Uh, no 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 it's not, it's not my foot it's definitely not my foot. Um, so what, what I was going to get into is you know you're looking at these big pictures, right mm-hmm. you know and eventually you have to compress to, to use your word, compress that information down into tangible bite sizes, right if you go in and you pitch. I'm just making this up. You go in and pitch Pepsi, and you've looked at this whole 360-degree landscape. Like, what kind of walk us through the art of the pitch, right? Because it's one thing to think of it. It's another thing to tell somebody and get them excited about it. Because a lot of people get lost in, like, what are you talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's going to be a portion of the audience that just watched you, you know, listen to you talk about the generational, you know, phrasings and differences. And they're like, wow, that's, you know, it's overwhelming. So walk us through the art of the pitch.
2: Well, I will tell anybody that I'm mentoring, uh, that I'm teaching, or that I work with, uh, do your homework, first of all, because you have to understand the properties of that brand. You can't go in with a one size fits all approach to uh, working with any client. Once you do that, and that's why I, my company is called Into You.
1: <laughs>
0: I love <laughs> this.
2: this. This is my favorite show. Total. So, with that, you know, I, I, we named it that uh, primarily because we try to. Uh, get out of the box and go directly into the heart and core of the consumer uh, and understand the brand properties of the client. So the most important thing is when you do your homework, You, it, it, Pepsi has a rich history. Um, and although they've shifted a little bit, they've stayed true to the foundation. Same thing with most consumer brands. Right. Um, when you lose, a good example would be a Old Spice. If you try to deviate so far from what the brand core elements are, you know, you're going to lose a whole uh, loyalty factor. Right. Even though you think it's slick and it's fun, maybe you'll you'll see what we call a bell curve. So you'll see people jump on and they'll jump right back off because the things that made you successful are, aren't the things that you're promoting, just trying to be a trend. Right. So I look at really what is the DNA of the company, and then I start building the sexiness around that DNA. Now I make it relevant. I don't go the other way. I don't try to make it relevant then hope I hit on some of the, um, the right. valuable points. I go mm-hmm. straight to the core of the DNA.
1: And, it's, and it's, again, just how, like, how does that work when you, when you go in the room and mm-hmm. you've done all your homework, you've done all, you know, you've gone through your process and looked at the DNA and come up with a creative thread and so on and so forth. How, how does it, you know, walk us through being in the room, you know, um, okay. with the CMO right. at, at, you know, at a company.
2: So day one is um, a conversation it is, my understanding of your brand based on my research is this. Um, and I want confirmation from that CMO, from his uh, development director, his uh, or creative her. director. There.
0: Uh, <laughs> development director
2: or, uh, correct. You know, because there's so many creative uh, people of all. Genders and ethnicities and everything else. So, thank you for
1: no, no worries. I, I we have a we have two female listeners, so I just wanted to make sure that they were acknowledged.
2: And I could be reached at. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, you know, we, we start that dialogue of um, making sure that I understand what is your your DNA. Afterwards, uh, we go back and what my creative team we start to tool together a a over thirty thousand feet. Um, presentation and as we it's like uh, creating a a piece of a statue Uh, we want to chisel that down until it is something that myself and the client feels is right on par with you know their direction because at the beginning of each fiscal year you know they have a goal their goal is to increase uh, in the the vein of craft foods for instance Uh, craft was a client of mine and they want to increase their um, their shopping experience by two items per shopping visit and so I knew that's that's a huge uh, ask. Right. Um, Kraft, Kraft at the time had uh, 18 different product lines under what we considered a brand of one company. So that may be Nabisco, that may be uh, obviously Kraft Barbecue, Mac and Cheese, mm-hmm. but things that may not have the name Kraft on them and people don't they aren't aware that they are Kraft. So my job was to find a way to, at each experience, a shopping experience, for you to put at least two more items in there. So what we did is we created what was called a craft kitchen. Craft kitchen was a mobile kitchen experience that I use a celebrity chef. And we built this amazing Martha Stewart-esque kind of kitchen that uh, went out to different marketplaces in the large venues. And we encourage people to understand with the use of craft products, we can do an A1 sauce souffle. or we where the food's <laughs> marinated with A1 sauce instead of it just put being put on top of a steak. Right. Or, uh You're Or making cookie. me hungry. Or, yeah, I man, I'm thinking the
1: same about it. And Mark's actually a good cook. I don't know if people this oh. about you. Mark can, Mark does, it, it, were you sponsored by Kraft? Were you the celebrity chef on the... No, uh, G
2: Garvin. G <laughs> Garvin has a show now <laughs> called Road Trip. Um, okay. And, and yep. I, I, it's so funny you mentioned that my appreciation for the art of cooking is, is basically because of that uh, tour we were on tour for four, uh, two years.
1: Isn't that interesting so, though? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was having this conversation earlier, uh, you know, As marketers, right, your job is to take a crash course in whatever your client's business is, right? Whether you make shoes, you make headphones, whatever it is, you need to, and, and you develop this deepened appreciation for the product or for the service. And, but the fact that you took it into your home, right? Like that's, you know, that's also pretty amazing.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, to the point that I'm at the point of uh, plating now. And I don't know if you in the listening audience understand plating, but it's the presentation of food. Right. And so I'm at that level. I've gained an art for it and I appreciate it. I like it. I like it. I'm going to the store buying special knives and, and, you know, coloring now. (laughs) So. Well, you, uh, this has w- gone somewhere different than I anticipated, but uh, no, so, be, no, oh. it's great. I, no, but you know, <laughs> I'm actually really
0: interested in. Oh, well, you're <laughs> not just
1: you're not just a marketing machine, right? You're a, you're a real human being. So yeah. you had these diverse interests, and hopefully, you stick around and make us something. You know, out of your what is your specialty in the kitchen? Like, if you picked one thing, you're like, you need to have the Mark Brogdon.
2: Oh, I'm a good baker. Hmm. I'm a butcher, a baker, a candlestick, candlestick maker. maker. Yeah, yes. there you go. Uh, It's kind of hard to say because now that I'm in a plating, I pair foods based for me on presentation. So if I'm making steak, well, I'm going to make a uh, black peppercorn garlic marinated steak. But then what's going to complement that? So I'm going to make a sautéed spinach over au au gratin or whatever I'm doing. I'm trying, you know, as marketers, we're real visual people. And we, we tend to be creative in all aspects of our life. When we get dressed, we... Dress creatively, as as we know, our outward appearance is a, an example of who we are internally. So right. it's the first line of sight. Now we build that same kind of thing into brand strategy. We know the consumers are watching the brand, so we we dress the brand in a way that we know that they're going. It's work
1: it's out. really interesting you say that. That's one of the reasons. Almost every interview I started off by asking, "What is your personal brand?" Right? Because <laughs> because you are you know exactly you exude. The way you think about problem solving, the way you see the world in, you know, like you mentioned, you know, clothing. Robert and I, at one point, actually had a shoe competition. That I destroyed him in. Feel free to say that live on the air. That's fine. I'll give you you that live for now. Um, (laughs) No, he did beat me. We basically had a shoe competition where we would, like, wear a different pair of shoes each day, and whoever lasted the longest without a repeat, you know, won. And, you know, I started pulling out flip-flops and house shoes and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. I did the best I could. But, you know, um, I, I I tend to be a mood dresser. And, uh, like, I, like, whatever mood I'm in is that, you know, like I have on a tie today.
0: I would agree. Yeah. I, I think I'm the same way, like how you feel that morning right. is how you dress
1: but yeah. but also some people don't do that right some when you don't. when you talk about marketers mark right. it's like you know you see the world from a stockholm perspective from a detroit perspective from a disney perspective and depending on where you're going who you're talking to what you're going to be doing for the week it's it's all a creative mindset yeah, I think this yeah is pretty awesome.
2: And I, I and I and I live that mantra through everything that I do. It's even the style of car I drive or how I you know dress that car. And it's not that I'm doing it for anybody else. It's really you know I know what my personal brand represents, and I try to dress it that way, and I right. try to dress everything in my life that way.
1: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so from an experiential standpoint, right? You you talked about this tour and the, and those kinds of things. Um, what uh, what should people be thinking of especially you know whether your brand or whatever product or service you have what should people be thinking when they enter a physical space right they're creating a physical experience for let
2: it. me sh- make sure people understand what experiential is because that's a buzzword and you know we talked about it It is earlier. a big word right yeah. like people <laughs> you know. know experiential marketing is really uh, the consumer engagement of a brand or product so what you want to make sure in the use of that word, what we're talking about, you don't do any less or more marketing. You you actually are diving into an area that you're driving consumers to either purchase a product. You're driving, you're using uh, marketing through live experiences to either um, um, drive an online experience or direct into retail brick and mortar or something like that. So you have to be very, very careful in how you do so. Um, they can get turned off if you say, we were talking uh, yesterday about uh, faith-based marketing and experiential and faith-based. Well, that's um, a very touchy subject because once right. you start realizing that you are free
1: baptisms, <laughs> <laughs> Just come on by, <laughs> you know. For every for every prayer,
2: you get a mac and cheese sandwich. You know? <laughs> so you have to be careful though about you know that. So you really have to understand the what experiential means, and right? That it is a, a true art to experiential.
1: You said something earlier too when we were talking. Um, you, you look at because. I, th- I feel like in some cases, digital experiences have replaced, uh, mistakenly, in my opinion, have replaced some experiential. So I, th- I think everybody needs to be in the face of a consumer physically and, and some point, at some you, point. Yeah. you know. point, um, And you you said the phrase, I'm going to see if I can. 360? No. You said visual, uh, no, virtual experience, like digital is a virtual yeah, experiential. Exactly. I can't uh, I can't even say it right, obviously, but...
2: But you, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, I think now social media is a virtual experiential. Um,
1: you see, know, th- I kind of said it right. Robert was of, looking at me you know, I mean, not crazy. as eloquently as I put it. No, but, you did. Know, you you, you know. knocked it out of the park.
2: Yeah. The tie compensated, <laughs> but they can't see in the listening audience <laughs> that... Isn't that I'm an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, so, you know, the social media experience... You know, it's almost like watching, uh, I think there was a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where they, um, I don't forget, they had a virtual, you know, love interest for his co-star, and He could picture it so vividly through this use of holograms and everything else that he actually believed he was there. I think through Facebook and some other, you know, Instagram, sometimes you can transport your mind and say, I was actually at this concert last night because this person did such a good job of taking pictures, images and narrating. So they but it should never replace a live experience. It should complement
0: and also pair with. A live experience. Question. To, to your point, I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I actually am a social media manager here, so, you know, not social, at, uh, me- social yeah. media. Uh, at
1: Sideshow, yeah. not for innovation credit, but also oh, for innovation Okay.
0: Because. Well, anyway. <laughs> so your name
2: is Robert. They call you Bob? No. So I'm thinking Sideshow Bob.
0: Sideshow Side Bob. Sideshow Bob. See? See you what mean? I mean? Boom. Wow. Ah. Wow. The idea is just let's keep going. Okay. But anyway, uh, so I was (laughs) was just thinking, uh, you know, like how you guys are talking about like an experience and an actual event and being like there. And I was just thinking like people hire photographers, you know, videographers. I wonder when we'll come to a point where we hire like a social media manager to actually go out and like live tweet, you know, like post on Facebook, post on Instagram. Because there's so many people that, you know they really do kind of follow you on these social platforms
1: well you're right it's like there's an, there's an opportunity f- for brands to own that that part of the experience and not just let the fans and the consumers do it Dictate. for them it's great right. that they you know that they do do it but uh, you but you're touching on that 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 whole idea of you know funnel it in to, through you know to our experience exactly. so that you can, can, you that.
0: know like at, at the same time, you could snap a photo, but you would obviously want, you know, your wedding photo to be done professionally. Right. To, to that point, you know, like you might have a couple of people who can't make it out to your wedding that would want to hear, you know, what's going on. You might not be the most tech savvy person, so you might want to bring someone in who can handle those sort of needs for you. What do you think in my opinion,
2: well, well, I think you're talking two different questions. things. You're talking on a personal level versus a professional business level, right? Okay, so from a personal level, I think that if you get too um, too pretty with your personal pictures and and it looks too professional, then you take the intimacy out of really what happened at that wedding. It's very true. I think from a professional level, though, um, as we design campaigns and we design it with a social media spin in in mind. We need to have a photographer or a um, a digital writer, um, uh, that a copywriter for digital. Uh, um, we need to have a meeting with them prior to the event to say, these are the so- shot selections that I'm looking for, and this is the content I need you to text out. Because it then needs to follow up with, when you go to my f- Facebook page or my social media site, do this, and this act- activation or activity happens. So it has to be, as we talked about before, three sixty. It has to be thought of in advance. Mm-hmm. If all you're doing is posting pictures, and you got you know a hundred thousand people following you, and there's no activation or call to action as a result of that post, then you've wasted an amazing opportunity. Right. You know, we did um, a program with uh, Axe uh, under the leadership of Walton, Walton Isaacson uh, Agency. We did a series called uh, One Night Only Concerts where X you know, sponsored this uh, concert series, which was a you know show up at this destination uh, within two hours of us posting where it'd be, and you can see an artist uh, mm-hmm. such as uh, My Chemical Romance meets Sammy Hagar, or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And so they use their social media to do a call to action, show up here. Their fan base knew about it, and this is in four cities across the country. When they got there, uh, the first... However many people were given tickets to this amazing show uh, location to be you know, told by this next layer of, of social media. Once you came through this trail and come on the output of it is that now we've done an SMS campaign. We got your uh, yeah. your analytics of who you are and you see this amazing concert and now we communicate with you. But if all you're doing is doing a good concert and you're saying, hey, sponsored by Axe and there is a, uh, a banner and, and skirted tables there's no analytics to that and you can't take anything away from that. You can't. Yeah,
1: there's, market to this I mean, you're absolutely right. I think it, there's always that opportunity to take the experience that you're creating a step further. Cause at the right. end of the day, there's ROI. Somebody has to answer for it. Either that agency isn't coming back because yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and people talked about it yeah. unless you're just looking for awareness. Like if awareness mm-hmm. is your goal, that's great. But you know, the minute it, but awareness can also easily couple with some sort of conversion, right. right? whether it's a share, a like, a sign up, a purchase, uh, you know, and, and you'll find that it, like, if you create the right sets of brand experiences, um, the the fans will, will go there. Like, I mean, to your point, it was like, they followed these cookie crumbs to, you know, to no end, right. you know? Um, and, you know, in some cases I know, and there was a, a, a transmedia series in Norway, where like p- they asked people to show up, give us your ID, put it in the bag, and get on this bus. And you know they ended up at a concert, which was really awesome. But you know. If- diehard consumers will go the extra mile for you just because as long as you're you have that authentic kind of connection with them
2: right and if you leave them at the door with uh thanks for showing up and uh we may call you back at some other time then there's another brand around the sounds corner. sounds like the who, date
1: i had the other night yeah it looks like <laughs> it too uh they'll, <laughs>
2: they'll, they'll 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 go you know they try to be as loyal as they possibly can i mean artists and music is a great example um you know they they love you when you're on top, and if you stop that uh, that artist and fan engagement, that relationship
0: mm.
2: for too long, there's another artist that could show up and take that spot. one
1: uh, well, one other question. Um, so I look at a lot of things and I go for a lot of companies, marketing is an afterthought, right? Like, oh, we thought of this product, or we thought of this, you know, this thing, or we, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z, and then it's like they've gone eighty percent of the way. And then it's like, oh, well, who are we, like, who's going to do the marketing for us? Um, how important is it for you, especially with the clients that you work with, to be as upstream as possible? And, you know, what is the importance of being there early in the process? Or is it important?
2: It's one of the things I tell uh, Disney all the time from at least a multicultural um, perspective. It's harder to fix a problem than it is to be in the room as we are doing creative development. Because at that point, you know, if we're developing a under the the sea ride at uh, Disney World and um, what may seem very uh, obvious to Hispanics who like louder colors. But if you have muted colors all under the sea experience, uh, it may not resonate as well. And you're saying, well, but it's just it's under the sea. Well, they're colorful fish. There are colorful rocks. And those are the kind of things that in the creative development room, if you have the right. You know, uh, diversity of ideas and people, you can fix it from the beginning. But it's hard to go back and fix it later after all has been, you know, been decided upon. And now you're trying to do a quick fix and appease, and that's never good. So, to answer your question, I think that marketers need to be in the room from uh, creative development
1: to yeah, because yeah, you have to you have to think about how this product will live in the marketplace, right? Right. Like you're creating the experience. Like yes, it sounds great, like it's a ride, but at the end of the day. People are going to experience it, and what is that? And are they going to talk about it? Are they going to take pictures? Are they going to you know participate in social media and so on and so forth? Um, really quick, you've you've made a transition of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, going from experience, not, not even transitioning from it, but uh, diving a little bit deeper into technology development. Um, can you talk about what that's like? <laughs> what that. Uh, is that, are you taking a picture of me with your iPhone, by the way? No, what I'm doing is recording myself being uh, on air. Recor- wow. Amazing. It's a selfie. That's a mind blow. I'm recording myself being recorded.
2: <laughs> exactly. And it's an amazing experience because what I'm doing now is using this platform to also uh, increase my brand.
1: So if oh. you are looking what about, to- what about our brand? What brand?
2: Innovation <laughs> crush, man. What is that?
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I'm I'm excited about being here, and I and I just want to record it for posterity' sake. Um, what was your
1: question? Um, it, what what, did I, ask, what did I ask him, Robert? Uh oh. <laughs> no, it, it was just a pop, pop quiz. Uh, no, just making that transition from, you know, into the technology space and technology development. Um, and also, again, a product that's being developed and it has to, be, it has to enter the marketplace. What's that experience like? Tell us, a, a, you know, a couple of things that you're working on in the, in the tech side of things.
2: Okay. So um, I'm working with two uh, very amazing products right now. One is called QB, which is QU. B-E-E-Y
1: QB.com. It is There's a. Be so many meta tags on this. Uh, <laughs> on this <podcast. laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm
2: putting you guys to work. Uh, QB is a communication, uh, total communication platform. Uh, it is actually a software that you download to your desktop that aggregates everything that you normally do in a browser experience. So you no longer have to use a browser to um, access content that you have told the internet that I want you. I I, I don't need to go to www.com every day just to find that content that I said, well, you know, come out and tell me when there's something uh, relevant towards my interest and likes. So it aggregates it in your menu bar, you open it up and it all comes out to you. All your social media right there for you. Uh, If you like an artist, that artist can then walk across your desktop in some rich media format or a JPEG or just a um, MP3. Come out and tell you, hey, I got a new song click on it, this is what could happen. That
1: would have been perfect around the Rick James, uh, Dave Chappelle time.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And we can still go back and get it. It's historical. Uh, we can still do it. But, um, and the other one is Songstergram, which is uh, songstergram.com. And it is a, a, an app that we'll be releasing within the next month and a half. And i um, very excited about it. It allows any um, music lover, it's a social singing experience, so it allows you to be able to uh, go into uh, your devices, uh, any device, your laptop, your desktop, your uh, tablet or cell phone, iOS and Android, and to uh, pick from a library of uh, music to upload that song, sing over it, videotape yourself, use filters, as Robert talked about earlier, use filters to make your video. No, no, uh, no, attitude. no attitude. <laughs> this, one, this is a real, this is a real app. So you can then uh, take that content uh, and then post it to all of your social media. Uh, you have the ability to um, uh, have followers who follow your profile. So whenever, again, you have a new video that you'd like to share. You know, it they they'll be notified in all different formats. So the good thing about it is that you got a billion people creating music-related videos on uh, YouTube right now, and they um, use a secondary player to record the music in the background, and then they try to sing over that music and hope it matches up. Uh, this app
0: does everything for you. Are you going to give us an example of the, of the app and singing? No. No? Okay. No. Chris? Although, Although Chris? I will
1: say, uh, well, easy, buddy. Um, I will say <laughs> that Mark Brogdon does have a, uh, they recorded a, a promotional video for it, which is actually really funny. Um, so I don't know. If he follow you on your social media, uh, they'll find the video that you starred in. Uh, yeah. You
2: can go to uh, either your <laughs> Facebook, Songstagram page or go to um, YouTube and look for the word is click. No. Search word is click. Yes. Uh, C L I Q U E, click. And that's just a, uh, we're doing a series of spoofs on uh, what if I were the star. And then as we pull back into my realm of reality, then I'm sitting at my desk singing a song, daydreaming about being that uh, person. And this is what I really sound like. And then afterwards, uh, the, the tagline is uh, Songstagram, there's a song in all of
1: us. And that's, oh. that's, that's a Mark Brogman line, right? Yes, there it is. Uh, so I want you to reflect for a minute. On this entire amazing conversation, um, and finish this phrase for me: um, "Innovation to me is
2: ever changing, ever evolving, and necessary for life."
1: It was so quick and easy. It was good. Uh, Robert, do you have any any questions for the uh, the the Broxtonator? Uh,
0: favorite quote? Oh. Uh,
1: I don't know if I have one. What? That's a great quote. I don't know if I have one. <laughs> I don't know if I have Get one. to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I quote Boomerang all the time. <laughs> yeah, Mark you quotes know. like movies. I don't think any of them are appropriate for There was for a show
2: games. on uh, when I was younger uh, called Dream On, where the kid sat in front of the TV as he was growing up and he um he lived his life through uh examples that he saw as a kid watching TV and I kind of lived my life that way so i know every sitcom i know every movie every commercial and i quote him every
1: 5 seconds you're like a virtual cable guy exactly <laughs> um so i want to thank you for uh coming out and spending some time with us this has been really fun and informative uh i don't know if you have any final words or you know or you just want to say Adios. But,
2: well, uh, I'm really enjoyed uh, spending some time with you guys. Uh, again, if you have an opportunity, listeners, go to QBQUBE.com we uh,
1: We won best in show. We want a check, time. by the way, just so you know. We 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 will want a, uh, a check.
2: Okay, it'll come from qb.com
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and songstagram.com. Uh, and again, I think you'll everybody get a lot out of it, and uh, we're excited to be here. So, thank you for having me.
1: All right, so thank you again, everybody. This has been another episode of Innovation Crush. Innovation and, um, Crush. You listen to us next time. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>